Welcome to Climate Emergency Manchester. I'm here with Chloe and Adam within spitting distance of the University of Manchester. This month we're talking about carbon literacy and behaviour change, both within the council and the neighbourhoods across the city. In this episode we'll look at the big item from November Scrutiny Week, budget cuts, and the neighbourhood-based climate action in the form of ward plans. We're speaking today, which is a day when many residents, or at least those who've signed up to various council emails and services, will have seen a consultation email drop into their inbox for next year's budget proposals. If it's okay, I think I'm going to quote this. So the email says, Sombertone, in common with local authorities across the country, we are facing a shortfall between the amount of money required to run services and the amount of money available. This is forecast at 28 million in 2023 to 24, rising to 96 million by 2025 to 26. Despite lobbying, we are not expecting any more funding from the government. We've had to make 42.8 million of savings since 2010 to cope with cuts to our government funding and unfunded budget pressures, such as inflation and a growing population. If the council had received only the average cut to its funding between 2010-11 and 22-23, so over that decade since the Tories were elected and where we are now, we would have 77 million a year more to spend on services. So to summarise all that they think not only have they had the cuts of other local authorities but Manchester like other um, councils in the north has even had quite a bad end of, of the of the raw deal that every local authority has got we'll post those figures in the show notes I'm sure because um yeah they work they bear repeating but scary stuff right scary stuff there's going to be lots of detail in the show notes, I think, from today's today's podcast. Was it forty two? Was it four hundred twenty eight million? Yeah, yeah. But you don't expect the figure to be that that big. Oh yeah, I think uh, I was watching the Resources and Governance Committee, and Sam Wheeler piped up and said, "What four hundred twenty eight million pounds would buy you? Mm-hmm. It'd buy you Manchester United Football Club." Wow. Is that our missed opportunity then? Uh, To buy it. To own it, yeah. I don't know, I'm not a United fan. I don't know whether I want to own it. But that is a huge amount of of money. But then again, I like Sam Wheeler's comparison. What does that actually actually mean to their services? Did we get a sense of what these big numbers would mean at the scrutiny committees in terms of how resident might notice the difference over the next few years? Not particularly. Um, And and I dug into the report, unless I was missing something obvious, uh, the only thing I gleaned was a reduction of uh, 70 um, employee spaces, FTE, over three years, but they anticipated that to be natural turnover. So people leaving but or retiring, but not presumably being replaced. And we have to note that though that's sort of glibly described as natural turnover, it won't have an impact. When people leave and they're not replaced, that means the the remaining people are doing more work, they're more stretched, they're more stressed. 
I also think that you, so you might get natural turnover in some of the most critical areas of the organisation where people are going to retire is might not be where you otherwise would have tried to look to make cuts. Um, I would also say that the meetings that I watched, there was some ground being laid to prepare everybody for we could be moving into um, you know redundancies or for further measures. It was very much this is what we're looking to at present, but we. I got the impression that they might be looking into to more than that. And there was a common theme that, I mean, this is a theme of most scrutiny committees. Someone usually has a pop at the uh, national Tory government. Quite legitimate in this circumstance. And in, today it's quite legitimate and justified. But sometimes it can be used to sort of a convenient shield to... Um, hide MCC's slow progress on the the climate crisis. One thing I did listen to that's fresh in my mind was uh, the potential to reduce gully cleaning services that Mandy Shilton-Gooden, the chair of the Environmental Scrutiny Committee, raised as a concern because of, you know, the amount of leaves we currently see on pavements and in uh, sort of by the curbs, which will actually potentially make it more dangerous or discourage people from cycling and walking. Uh, not to mention that we're, you know, living through currently altered climate conditions and we're only going to see that worsen. Uh, so if you don't clean your gullies, you're not going to get the water and you're going to create potential localised flooding issues uh, from block, block drains. And, you know, we're already starting to see that and that's going to cause even more disruption. So possibly worth investing in waders. I cycled here today on the Oxford Road corridor. Um, brilliant off, well, segregated cycle lane. I love it. Absolutely covered in leaves, as you've described, such that you, you couldn't actually see it. Uh, other, other than it was a road, it was a, a cycle path of leaves. Um, but if it were wetter, I would have been a lot more uh, wary about cycling on it. So I think that's a good example of what happens when you have a particular cut that's known and you start thinking through the the implications. The other one that I saw as a specific was the um, move to charging for recycling bins. Um, it was said that wasn't an easy decision, but already there were councillors that were thinking through, well, is that going to encourage fly tipping and unintended there are unintended consequences of even these first seemingly lower hanging fruit. So once we get beyond these big figures, any decision that we know about, we could probably think through what will be the results of it. Yeah, I think with the bins, it's interesting because once they're contaminated, then they can't technically use that bin to recycle full stop. So what are they going to do with their waste? What, it's just going to fester. I know there's there's one down the road from me. It's actually in a property that is vacant. So they have a contaminated bin. It's vacant. They won't pick it up. And it's just going to fester until, you know, it, it just sort of drags down the area. And, you know, you, it, you're going to see that more and more, aren't you? Mm-hmm. People abandoning bins, potentially. Yeah. And we know that it won't, like everything, won't look equally ac- across across the city. No, and it only takes some 
youth to drop a cigarette or a firework in there and then we're going to have to call out the fire service to put out a bin on fire. For our younger listeners, yes, we know it's not just youths that drop cigarettes or probably fireworks. In bins. In bins. Does it say if that applies to green bins? I think it is now rolling out to all bins. So you already have to charge, it's already a charge for the black black bins. So I think all the others there will now be a charge for, unless... I don't think it's stated, but it's it's currently 20 for the black, I think, isn't it? So I would imagine it would be something would be something similar. Um, it was stated that all the other Greater Manchester boroughs did, so I could see how that, you know, the people in these types of committees justified that. And we're soon going to be getting into the game of tit for tat, would you rather cut this or would you rather cut that? I think our point is that any... Any any service reduction does have consequences which need need thinking through. And at the meetings today, even though there were these headline figures that didn't yet really mean much and people couldn't really see how they panned out, when there were specific things named like the, the bins and the gully, pee, pee, um, gully cleaning, you could already see councillors thinking of what that would look like on their, on their ward. Yeah, particularly um, Councillor Doswell from Fallowfield, um, has described at a few meetings the state of, of Fallowfield compared to other, other wards and she was very concerned about impacts on, on that, I think. She said on the budget side of things, uh, absolutely disgraceful that we're looking at cuts full stop, said MCC can't budget its way out of austerity. And she asked about the BIFA performance, which has been noted in, in places, particularly her ward, as they're being missed uh, standards missed quality checks um, and whether any potential savings could be made there um, in terms of the budget given those quality concerns and the response she got that actually the BIFA contract was going to increase um, but that those penalties that are applied are done so before that increase so the, con- the, 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 the budget for BIFA is going up we don't know what level of penalties are applied, but um, it is going up despite those penalties. Couple of other things that I noted from councillor feedback. Um, councillor Wright asked about the budget for parks and green spaces. It was it showed a small decrease over three years, I think. Um, and she asked, how is that going to be protected given the size of the cuts required? Um, and the response she got was really quite interesting, I thought, um, that essentially um, the, the parks and green spaces budget is going to be protected by increasing paid for events in the parks. So it seems our green spaces are going to have to earn their keep a bit more. And I wonder how that fits in with other strategies we've seen recently, particularly the biodiversity strategy, where we're saying we need to rewild our green spaces and connect them up better. If you're having to commercialise them a lot more for budget constraints, do do those two um, necessities come into conflict? For sure. I'm sure we've all been in a green space or park after a massive event and seeing the you know the grass is parched or into shapes as well as that there's the idea that people who want to go to the park 
just to have some fresh air with their families. It's one of those few events that you can, or one of the few things that you can do without, particularly with children or families, without having to pay money. If there's more of the space that's taken up for a paying event that you don't or can't want to to be through, are you really going to feel like you can use that green space or like it's somewhere that you can go just to relax at the the weekend for for free? Yeah, I can't imagine the residents have lately been very happy about, you know, more events on Heaton Park or residents of Mossside and Fallowfield and Rush Home of more events on Platfields Park or I, I, this is a thing isn't it it's, it's going to cause tension for sure uh, and it will take more time yeah for the sort of grounds to recover you know having to clean up all the litter because there's inevitably going to be more litter from events. Mandy Shilton Godwin the chair of the committee um, Chalton Park. Chalton Park. That goes into every podcast on Chalton Park. Um she, she mentioned exactly that point on the balance that is going to have to be sought between commercialising parks and green space and the free provision given to everyone, particularly during cost of living pressure. Um, I think she asked for a report on this, didn't she? I, that's what I've got in my notes. I think, yeah, yeah, I remember listening to that. Um, because that's a real, that's a really big thing. The, the feeling of ownership of our green spaces is potentially at threat here. Um, maybe I'm overstating it, but um, it's a delicate thing, so it does need to be very carefully thought through, rather than just we need to wring every bit of um, money out of our green spaces. An example I'd give: I, in my fitter days, I played in a, a, a sports team, an ultimate frisbee um, team, and, and there were lots of clubs that we played weekly, twice a week even in parks around South Manchester. And there were some parks that we were told, you can't do this without paying. And that sums, if you start to increase really hard rules around who can use what space, unless it's paid for, then you're gonna have a knock-on effect on obesity levels, health, mental health, all those sorts of things. So again, it really does need to be thought through. All the stuff that over the past two years we've had shed loads of evidence really matters we already knew it but we've just had two years when the importance of green space to to mental health as well as physical health has just been presented in front of us and now they're going it's more important to hawk them out to the highest bidder um okay so also we had a meet an item at um Environment and Climate Change Scrutiny Committee on ward plans. And like so many things, this was a commitment that was in the climate emergency declaration that has got pushed back and delayed. So originally there were supposed to be ward plans for each ward agreed um, by the end of 2020. That's been pushed back. We now have a situation where there are ward plans. Hurrah, achievement. Only two years and a bit after it's followed but they don't seem to be available in one place and how you might kind of connect them up remains a bit unclear so if something really good is happening in one ward how is another ward supposed to find out find out about it Um, it doesn't seem to be very joined up 
in that in that way. I'm also not sure how many residents in these wards know that they have a ward plan. Um, I've attended and I know other people who have attended the meetings that supposedly produce these ward plans. Um, they looked very different. Maybe that's maybe that's fine. They, they shouldn't just be a one size fits all. But certainly the ones that I was at, it it wasn't clear what this what the discussions were feeding into into a plan. Um, so they're there, but how we actually use them effectively is is not clear. On the ward plans, uh, Councillor Dozor gave some strong feedback, uh, saying that the plans were very generic. Um, she's obviously talking about the Fallowfield one, and the feedback that she'd had was they were very generic and not really really relevant to her ward. Um, she wanted to see the data that's been used to create these plans, and that really there's a an inconsistency in the creation of them. Some perhaps really engaged much more fully and others just more someone's decided what the ward plans are for that ward. She made the point that given the 2019 start to these ward plans, we really should have all 32 ward plans done now. Whereas I think it said, she mentioned just 20 have been completed. Yeah, there are some missing as well. But by this time, they're going to have to redo the ones that they started with so like many things if it's been like pulling teeth to get to this point you have to question the whole pro process that's led, led there doesn't seem to be a good way to look at what's happening in the ward set some targets based on that ward and get them speaking to each other these ward plans are supported by three climate change neighborhood officers who um, work in the neighborhood teams one in north one in central one in south they work with the neighbourhood teams to help um, bring climate change into all the operations of, of those teams. Um, and so they will have been involved in the creation of these plans. Um, and where there was a, an attachment, an appendix to this report on the KPIs, we go heavy on KPIs on this podcast, don't we? Measurable targets comes up time and time again. And I mean, there were some KPIs. So let's say, well done, um, nice start. But several of the um, councillors, including Councillor Wright, said maybe we could have a uh, what they call a task and finish group um, to improve them. The, the, the example uh, she gave was the KPI of plant trees. And maybe this could be improved slightly. Yeah. I think even the representatives from the neighbourhood team were there, recognised that these KPIs were work in progress a little bit, a little bit sketchy. It's, they, it, lo it looks like a first draft of a set of KPIs. I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, the other thing that was interesting about the ward plans discussion which might be a question to throw up is should should all the wards have the same KPIs or should there actually be slightly tougher KPIs on some wards than others because some some wards contribute far 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 more than than others so should should did should Disbury have tougher KPIs than a ward in the north maybe maybe it should we should have a way to get them to talk to each other, but we shouldn't all hold them to the same account. And for a long time in the meeting, that wasn't discussed. But then towards the end, we did. 
we did bring that and mention was made of the the tool i think it's called the creds tool where you can track the emissions of each of each war i think uh, one fact from that is that you know flights are far higher in a place like didsbury than it is in ardwick and there's a, a huge factor of difference between the two um, so emissions are not created equally between different wards so therefore yeah should they really have the same plans? Yeah, Councillor Igbon, the previous chair of this committee, made a really good point summing up on on, on exactly what you both said um, and talked about the, um, the disparities between the North and South, for example, and how we mustn't have a situation of, say, white middle-class residents, hello, um, talking and lecturing uh, poorer or ethnic minority um groups in the city on climate change and she very pointedly said given that they do not waste food and they do not drive cars which i thought was a really important thing to get across because we keep talking about didsbury and similar neighborhoods like it but the the wealthier neighborhoods are vastly more responsible for emissions we should probably mention the city center and the disparities between you know the the new developments in the city center and possibly a lot of issues around waste and consumption from those residents compared to you only have to go a stone's throw away to Beswick, for example, or to Hume on the other side of the Mancunian Way to find a very different picture with very different types of residents. So if we're not getting from the ward plans a sense of what are the what are the areas in each that make up each ward that needs to be doing more about the, the exercise is also not beautiful you don't get a flavor of, of the city from looking at, at the ward plan yeah what are they for then yeah can i put something in for back to the budget um at the beginning of the environment scrutiny committee um, the chair talked about uh an open letter to rishi sunak that um bev craig leader of the council had written an open letter, interestingly calling for, yes, more funding, that you would expect that, but also saying that actually um, the rest of the country, the national target, which is currently 2050, should be more ambitious, like Manchester's. And she said, you should bring it forward to 2038, which I thought was staggering, (laughs) given how far we are off uh, our own target and how we've talked on this podcast how we thought it more likely that NCC would push our target back to 2050 rather than uh, expect the rest of the country to bring forward so very interesting um, and one thing I thought a good comparison um, when it comes to the carbon budget for the city and how far we off, are off track and how poorly that is discussed by the council and compare that to the budget conversations when we're looking like we're going to have a big shortfall in and and cuts to services um, or cuts to funding at least, how the council talks about the two. Uh, One got a consultation that gets emailed out to everyone on their their mailing list, mentioned in every scrutiny committee, councillors blasting the national government. The carbon budget, the other one, we've got a few tweets We've got that video with the B. Yes, which went out in a few tweets. So some budgets, when we can shift the blame elsewhere, we're happy about about talking about, yeah. and others we're not. 
as a final thing, I'm not. I'd certainly just to see see what you think. I'm not sure how I feel about the consultation on the budget going out. On the one hand, I think it's it's good to engage people, but will would anything that comes back actually change what they were going to do? Does it not allow you to say we consulted with people? You're getting quite close to blaming or being able to say that you consulted as a way to slightly legitimise the difficult decisions that you've got to make. Well, yeah, I think what they're trying to do is probably get sympathy from the voter, the voting public, that this is not their fault. This is something from central government. We didn't vote for it. You didn't vote for it. But this is the bitter pill we have to swallow. Yeah, as we've just sort of discussed, you know, with ward plans, for example, and progress and targets and dates dates set and dates missed you know at the same point what's the point of saying we should all align to 2038 yes that would be fair share that would also align whatever ambition Manchester has with the rest of the UK but if we're just setting dates to be missed because we're going to get through all this carbon budget before they've got four wall climate plans in place we're also probably going to get through the budget before they've got a senior leadership team that are fully carbon literate. And that's only the base level of carbon literacy. That's watching David Attenborough, climate change, the facts. It's nothing more than that. So, yeah, I think, you know, we won't have a budget left. And they're saying we should have a budget that aligns together as a, as a country. Speaking of carbon literacy, that's a wrap for this episode. Episode 9.2, we're going to be looking at carbon literacy and behaviour change. Uh, A thrilling title called Embedding a Zero Carbon Workforce Culture, which uh, was noted as one of the most hilarious uh, report titles seen at Scrutiny. So skip over to the next episode when that is available, and we'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) See you soon.